Hey, how's everyone doing? You guys doing good? It's like a week before Christmas. Oh my goodness. I've waited all year for this. Are you kidding me? Gosh, we had our Christmas lights up, what, beginning of November? And I was third in line in my cul-de-sac because the other dads on the block had theirs up. I can't believe it. Outdone again next year. Man, if they only knew that we did Christmas in July for our vacation Bible school. Yeah, yeah, we should show them pictures. (laughs) Is everybody ready? All the shopping done? Anybody? Lord, thank you for Amazon and UPS and FedEx. We, we have a, a, a UPS driver that comes each day, and I, I, I see him around, and when I was doing some shopping yesterday, I'm all, dude, praying for you, man. And he's like, good. <laughs> well, uh, my name's Pastor Rick. If I haven't had the chance to meet you guys yet, welcome to the Packing House on Sunday nights. Um, we, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we've been getting into the letter to the Thessalonians. We started it a couple weeks ago. I know Pastor Aaron uh, shared last week, but, and we'll do a little recap on Thessalonians, a brief one, and then we'll get back into our, uh, we'll go right into our passage. But if you would, join me in the letter of 1 Thessalonians, and we're gonna start at chapter one in verse five, and we'll take a few verses tonight. Okay. Let's see, okay, starting at verse five, Paul writes, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. And how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the truth of scripture tonight, God. That we have this, your word, your love story to us. Lord, we wish to have a clearer picture of Jesus and and who he is, what he did for us, Lord, how you love us. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this letter to the Thessalonians is like most of Paul's letters. It's an encouragement. He started off by sharing how thankful he was. And he's going to talk each chapter about the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. But in this, you see, he has these references to his visit to the Thessalonians. If we want to recount, recall, look up how, like, what happened, what's he talking about, we got to look back at Acts 17. So I'm going to read a little bit out of Acts 17, just so you have a clear picture of what 
Paul went through, okay? So let me read a little bit out of Acts 17, just a couple of verses. So here's, here's his visit. Um, okay, here he goes in Acts 17. Now they traveled through the cities of Amphipolis, Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went there to preach. And for three Sabbaths in a row, which is three weeks, he opened the scriptures to the people, explaining the prophecies about the sufferings of the Messiah and his coming back to life and proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Some who listened were persuaded and became converts, including a large number of godly Greek men and also many important women of the city. But the Jewish leaders were jealous and they incited a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, planning to take Paul and Silas to the city council for punishment. Not finding them there, they dragged Jason and some other believers, took them before the council instead. This is what they were saying. Paul and Silas have turned the rest of the world upside down, and now they are here disturbing the city. They shouted, and Jason let them into his home. They are all guilty of treason, for they claim another king, Jesus instead of Caesar. I wanted to read that little bit of Acts 17 to you guys because it'll make a little more sense of why Paul is so applauding about how the Thessalonians, as they endured persecution because of their conversion to Christ. It's like, well, who was persecuting them? That little glimpse of Acts chapter 17 tells us he was just there for three weeks. And they're dragging people out of their homes. They're starting riots, starting lies, saying this guy's telling us to, to hail this Jesus and not Caesar. And the reason why Caesar was important because Rome had conquered all the area back in the first century. I just wanted to give some background and some setting. So let's talk about tonight's passages. Let's talk about tonight's passages. We see that there was an impact of the gospel. I mean, the gospel, it changed lives. These Thessalonians, their whole world was changed as they fell in love with Christ. So Paul is praising the Thessalonian believers because they have become these like exemplary model Christians. They used to worship these false idols. And there was a lot of false idols. So Thessalonica, it's Greece. It's also a major trade route back then. A lot of commuting is happening. Rome has conquered the area. So there's all these Roman gods and the Greeks, they have all their myths. They're near Mount Olympus. So there's temples everywhere. And it's in their culture to be what's called multi, multi-theistic. Have, believe in lots of gods. God of the sun, God of the water, God of whatever. But these guys believe in the... Hebrew God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They believe in Jesus Christ. This was totally against the societal norms of their day. So he's applauding them that they used to worship false idols, but now they worship Jesus. And because of that, they are enduring hardship. They're enduring conflict. But gosh, their Christianity, their faith, It's become contagious. People are starting to believe the message is getting out about these Thessalonians. 
These guys are Jesus freaks. And they're making Jesus sound great. So things are getting out. The other um, component of our passage tonight is that Paul starts making mention of Jesus' second coming. He does that in each chapter of Thessalonians. We're going to talk about that a little bit and as the weeks progress. I read something a little while ago, and it talks about like contagious Christianity. It's a little quote from Thomas Rayner. And he says, We who are Christians can win many to Christ if we just demonstrate the love that Christ commanded us to show. The hating world waits for people just like that. People demonstrating the love that Christ commanded us to show. Now, what is that like when you're demonstrating a love and people can see it? Well, we've all had those experiences where we're just so pumped, we tell everybody about it. Or they're like, wow, this was exciting. Like, it's Christmas time. So, whoever's seen the killer light show, like, have you guys ever seen that thing at the LA Arboretum? Oh my gosh, there is some amazing Christmas lights there. Or that block in, in Rancho, oh my gosh, there is some fun Christmas lights. So you see these things and you're so excited, you can't wait to, to talk about it. It's like being around a Dodger fan this week. Oh, you know what they're going to tell you. $700 million for a guy, really? I'm not a Dodger fan, but you guys better get past that first week of the playoffs, okay? For $700 million. I mean, every Dodger fan's excited right now. And I'm like, well, well, that's you're like the Yankees and the Red Sox now. Okay. But gosh, people are excited and they start just bleeding like excitement out of their eyeballs. Maybe it's some new store or product or restaurant. But man, when you're excited about something, you start to tell others or show others. I'm saying all this so we can relate to the Thessalonians. They are pumped about Jesus Christ. They have hope in Jesus Christ. And in the face of opposition, because everyone else, they believe in all kinds of different gods, and so they're wondering what's with these guys in their conversion. Man, they're upset. They're like, what's, what's, what's with these people? These Thessalonians have redeemed the time, like we talked about last month, redeeming the time, buying back uh, the opportunity, taking a hold of these opportunities to share the love of Christ with people. As it said in verse 8, it sounded forth from these guys. It rang out. It reverberated their love for Christ. What we're seeing is something that I, I've heard that Pastor Chuck Smith used to say. Healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. Meaning, well-fed, healthy believe in just Christians, you know, when they're so pumped and full of the word, full of the love of Christ, man, they're going to like duplicate. They're going to duplicate themselves. It's like giving the, the little cute thing water after midnight and gremlins are everywhere. You know, they duplicate. No, it just shouldn't equate Christians to gremlins. It's probably bad. Welcome to Sunday night. This is why they put us on Sunday nights, guys. Okay, that's why they keep us here. We're not on the May and the Sunday mornings yet, but don't worry. 
healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. Remember when I was telling you I went to that funeral for a friend? And he always had this beautiful smile on his face. And a pastor came up and he says, you know, with, with Chaplain Gene, you always knew he had the love of Jesus. There's some people that have Jesus in their life. And I have to tell them, you got Jesus in your life, tell your face. And I thought, that should be biblical. If you've got the joy of Jesus, tell your face. He's good. I'm not saying you can't have a bad day. I have bad days. I'm not saying you can't. But healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. If you're, if you're so full of the Lord, if you, you, know, you just can't help but to show it off. It, you, you start showing off how? Patience, kindness, long-suffering. Oh, we're talking about long-suffering just for a little bit. But it, you start showing that off. It starts coming out to where people are like, what's changed in you? Oh, actually, I go to church. When do you go to church? When do you have time? You work, oh, whatever. I go Sunday nights. You go to church on Sunday nights? Yeah. I'm watching online. Why aren't you watching the game? You know, like we get full of the Lord. We want to grow and healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. Paul was only there for three weeks, three Sabbaths. Sabbath happened, happens once a week. It's like Friday to Saturday, you know, is how they, how they do their, their Sabbaths. If you follow like any like Jews for Jesus online, you'll see uh, come Friday evening, they start saying Shabbat Shalom. You know, they start ringing in the new Sabbath each week. It means to cease, to rest. He was there for three weeks, three weeks. And in three weeks, he was being accused of turning the world upside down. In just three weeks. Christians, we live in this community. I've been here for 41 years. I'm waiting for this world to get turned upside down for us, to be revived. We're here in our community what can the Lord do through available Christians? What can he do? Paul was there for three weeks, but the secret ingredient that's not so secret is the Holy Spirit was there. And power, Paul had power. He was sharing the word of God and the Holy Spirit's right there empowering the word of God. How cool is that? He gets into that. Powerful, powerful things can happen. When God's word is there and when the Holy Spirit, I mean, it is awesome. It's awesome. God gives us these gifts, not so we can keep them to ourselves. He gives you gifts, talents, and abilities, not so you can just keep them selfishly. No, no, no. It's so you can beget other healthy sheep. You can start showing it off to the world, what God is doing in your life and through your life. We actually need to get on to our first verse tonight, guys. You let me go. Jeez. All that was in my notes. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about, what, let's talk about this first thing. They, what did these Thessalonians do? They received the Lord, right? It says here in verse 5, verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. The gospel, the good news. Gospel is, is just a word for good news. It didn't come in just words, right? But he says empower the Holy Spirit and much assurance. Assurance means security and confidence. Like, man, it was powerful. You guys are confident in, in the word. 
power here is an English word, but the Greek word used, the right side of the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word for power is dunamis. Dunamis. We get our word dynamite from this Greek word. Like, it's this explosive power. Explosive power. There's so many people nowadays that feel powerless. So many people feel powerless. Believer, that's not you. You have power in your life. When you started believing in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes right into your life, the Bible says. You have this treasure in you. You have this power in you. It's explosive. You know how powerful the Holy Spirit can be? Think about it. You enter, you enter a room and everybody's just kind of like mad and ticked off and you just know that they're grumpy. But you're just like, you know what? I just came from church. I'm super pumped or whatever. I'm going to go wherever. And all of a sudden you walk up and people are now grumpy because you're so lit up. Because it's powerful. In your conversation and you're going through philosophy or, or idea, exchange of, li- of ideas about life or eternity, and all of a sudden you're the guy who drops, or the lady, who drops the bomb and says, Jesus, there's power when that name is dropped. The Holy Spirit is in you. If you're fe- feeling powerless, talk with the Lord. Talk with people in the fellowship. Get prayer, get prayed on, get, get people praying with you. Get a high five from your fellow believer. They're free and they're, we're excited to do it. Don't allow Satan to rip you off. And it seems like so many people during this season when we're supposed to be like shouting praises because we're here at the ultimate birthday party, you know, people feel powerless. They, they start thinking of what they don't have, whether that's family or career or objects. It's like, no, no, don't let Satan rip you off. The Holy Spirit, he is in you. And he loves you. And he doesn't want you to be powerless. He wants you to be powerful. Well, how do I, how do I get more of this? You ask the Lord. Lord, fill me with your power. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I want more than that. What else should I do? Spend time in his word, refreshing your memory or learning for the first time his promises, his victories. Spend time in his word. Again, be around the fellowship. Be around the fellowship. Paul is saying, you didn't hear just the speech you actually saw it. You saw it. You had the power. It's kind of like, have you ever watched a movie and, or, and you're trying to watch the movie, but the picture goes out, but the sound's coming through and you're like, what is happening here? You need both. You need the talking. You need the walking. Believer, we need to not just talk the talk, but we got to walk the walk. And he's saying, you got to see this. You got to hear the word and you got to enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you, again, are lacking that power and you're like, I I don't feel it. Well, one, your feelings betray you. They they seem to always betray us. But if you have these thoughts of, I'm worthless, I'm powerless, Satan's just kind of kicking your butt. Because that's what he does. He likes to lie to people. That's his name, slanderer, Satan. 
Holy Spirit believer, he's in you. Ask the Lord for more. Lord, I want more of your Holy Spirit. Please fill me. Please empower me, Lord. Sometimes I need to say that just to get through the next five minutes of my day. The next minute, depending on how the day's going. You know, you just kind of need that time. Or let's say you're in these heated conversations or you're in these heated seasons of strife. You just kind of need that next moment. Lord, give me that. And see the grace that he gives you in the time of need. Okay, verse 6, we got two down. Two down. What is happening here? No, we're right on time, though. Okay, verse 6. I got you guys for like two hours tonight. Just kidding if that's your first time. I'm just kidding. I don't, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. This is why, you're old Rick, this is why people don't come back. I'm just kidding. Just just kidding. Verse 6, and you became followers of us. I took a week vacation. I'm all refreshed. This is what you guys got. Oh my goodness, I'm all refreshed. See the tan, it's with me all year long, but I'm here with you guys, refreshed. Verse six, let's get through this, let's get through this. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Affliction and joy in the same sentence? Oh my goodness, okay. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit, despite the suffering it all brought you. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this gospel, again, it's good news. Good news about who? Jesus Christ. It transformed Paul. It transformed Paul. His name used to be Saul, and he was transformed. He used to be a hardcore persecutor, throwing guys in jail, holding people's jackets while they got their throwing arm in and stoned Jesus, or not Jesus, excuse me, Stephen, the martyr. What? That was Saul. But then he had a come to Jesus moment on the road to Damascus. Changed his whole life. Changed his whole life. He became, the persecutor became the persecuted because he started worshiping Jesus declaring him to be Messiah. We sang that song earlier. Messiah means the anointed one. The left side of the Bible, the Old Testament, talks about the anointed one coming. It's all about Jesus. He's the Messiah. Paul's being persecuted everywhere he goes. But this word, uh, this gospel, this good news about Christ, it transforms us. It changes us. We we can't hide it from others because the Holy Spirit's in us, right? He's powerful. He's so powerful that wherever God found you, when you started to invite him into your life, when you invited him into your life, wherever you were at, he loved you and he's so powerful, he did not leave you there. He starts changing things around in our lives. Others start to see our faith. They have started to see their faith the onlookers of the Thessalonians. They start seeing that you have hope and that there's some type of power in you. It's transformative. You have a changed life, which is why they're able to have joy in the Spirit. Let's go back to this. Received the word in much affliction. Received the word in much affliction. 
people were getting upset with our Bible-believing Thessalonians. Because they were what? They changed their lives. The culture, the social norm in the first century in Thessalonica was to be all into this temple, all the multiple temples. And now you have this group of people. What? What do you mean they're not throwing uh, you know, flowers or sacrificing to Zeus or Athena or whatever? What is happening with these people? They've converted. What's with this different way of living? Gosh, I think we can relate a couple thousand years later because... If you guys haven't noticed, sometimes in in our our present culture, there's some like loose, like living, loose morals that are very prevalent in our culture. And sometimes the the believer in Jesus can get dogged on a little bit, simply not that you're Bible thumping people, it's just that you're just not partaking, you know? And it's like, what do you mean? Why won't you go to the bar with us tonight? It's, it's what we do. It's happy hour every night. Why don't we go? We go every night. You know what? I, I'm not into that right now. I, I'm taking a break. And maybe that break turns into like a lifestyle. And you're just kind of like over it. You know, well, why, what's with you? Why don't you want to go to this place with it? You know, I don't want to. I'm good. I'm over it right now. I'm just going to go to bed early tonight. What's the matter with you? Oh, it's that church thing. Why aren't you watching this anymore? What's with you? And I'm not saying you have to Bible thump or act holier than thou. I actually don't like people like that. I personally am not friends with, with people like that. But it's just like you have the love of Jesus in you and you're, you're just starting to do things differently. That's what was going on with our Thessalonians. You Maybe you're, uh, it's your family. It's your friends. Maybe it's your parents. They're like, what do you mean you've converted to Christianity or maybe you're the parents and you're telling your kids and it's like no we don't want that and they start harping on you stop bringing that every time we meet for dinner you have to bring them up it's like dude I'm just praying for my food come on it's like there is some real strife that can happen there's many forms of persecution that can happen so how do we handle that keep asking God for more grace how do I do this, Lord? How do I share this, Lord? What, can, what are you going to do in my kid's life? What are you going to do in my parent's life, in my neighbor's life, or in my best friend's life? Lord, please work on their heart. You know, work on their heart and trust that God loves those people more than you do. Because he does. He made them. Wow. And ask the Lord to empower you, to give you a peace. See, the Holy Spirit does more than just supply what he also does is give you this internal stability to endure these afflictions that's what he's doing with the thessalonians there's this like internal stability that the holy spirit offers it's because we know that we are saved by grace through our faith and not of any works. so we have this peace that we are saved restored made whole we're in a right relationship with the lord <sighs> You mean I don't have to light this or do that? or No, no. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, that's what saves us. So you can have this peace. Well, I know, but I have this conflict in my family because of my beliefs. Yeah, but you are saved. Your eternity is saved. Yeah, but my family, their old life, they still think uh, this way. And if I don't do this, they're going to... You and the Lord are good. 
You are good. You are restored. Have peace. Have peace. Enjoy it. Choose it. Well, learn Thessalonians. You know what they did? They started speaking up too. They started sharing. Check out verses 7 and 8. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. See, the Thessalonians, they saw Paul for a few weeks, and they believed. They received the good news. They chose to believe the message about Jesus Christ. These Thessalonians, they chose to receive him. Then they made room for the Holy Spirit to work in and through their lives, okay? And now they've been speaking up about the Holy Spirit. They've been, about Jesus. They've been sharing the good news about him. They've become examples to their communities. They're influencing people beyond boundaries. They've become the examples. The Greek word for example is tupo, where we get type or pattern from. They allowed Jesus to change their lives so much that they have now become the examples. Wow. Did you know that they didn't do all this stuff to get saved? It's they were saved and have a relationship with the Lord. And because of that relationship, now they're doing all this stuff, like being godly examples, living a life of faith. They didn't have to do all this to earn salvation. It's from their salvation that now they're doing all this stuff. They love God so much, they're just letting everybody see it. They've become influencers, influencers. It's a buzzword these last five or ten years, okay? An influencer. Everybody wants to grow up and be an influencer. It's someone that has like a billion followers on Instagram or TikTok or whatever because they can dance funny or something. No. An influencer is someone who has the ability to affect the opinions, behaviors, purchasing decisions of others, often through their presence on, in our day, social media platforms or other online channels. That's what an influencer is now. I don't even know who these people are, but like a lot of people, like, okay, I watch Dancing with the Stars, and I don't know who half the influences, influencers are on there. I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know who this guy is. Oh, they have like two million followers. I'm like, What? I don't even, I've never even seen this guy and he can't dance once he's getting voted off. But because he, has, he influences so many people, they keep him on and they push him through to the next week. I can't believe it. But he's an influencer. These Thessalonians, they're influencers. Their activity, their lifestyles, their manners of speech, their love for Jesus affected other people's opinions. 
Other people that were Bible-believing Christians, well, they didn't have the Bible back then. Every people that were like just God-loving people, they love Jesus, they're like, wow, these Thessalonians, they're amazing. You should see what's happening over there. They're getting persecuted by their community. Caesar did not like that people are hailing Jesus uh, over him. Wow. They are influencers. He's saying that God's word spread out from them so far everywhere, way beyond their boundaries, that wherever him and Silas are going, him and his missionary team, he's hearing about the Thessalonians. They've become these examples, the type, the pattern for Christian living back then. They've become the models, the models. You know, models made me think of like Calvin Klein or Vera Wang or Coco Chanel or Ralph Lauren. You know, when they want to show off some new clothes, they get what? People to make these clothes look good, huh? Remember what we learned a few weeks ago? That we get a new wardrobe. We get new clothes. God gives us these new clothes. Paul was telling his, his readers to say, hey, put on these qualities like a new wardrobe. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, which is meekness, a quiet strength. Long-suffering, he said that to the Colossians. That we're to put this new wardrobe on and model it. And what was, what's the belt that ties it all together? Love. What did we learn a couple of weeks ago when we first got into this letter that, that there's this labor of love. We, we have this gifts of faith from the Holy Spirit. We have this labor of love, agape love, a love that is undeserved and unearned. And hope, a hope, a hope, which we'll get into in a minute. We're to model this, put these things on and strut your stuff down that runway called life. Let people see it. This, these new, these, this new outfit of kindness and humility. Let it out. Let it out. These Thessalonians weren't living the rule of fake it till you make it. They were authentic. They were genuinely in to Jesus. They were genuinely in to Jesus. And people were wondering, what in the world are these guys into? They were shocked. Paul tried to go to the Jewish synagogue, as we read, which is like, think of like house church or church for Jewish people, where they would worship and read Torah, the law, the first five books, or maybe they'd read some scrolls from Isaiah and they'd talk about them. It sounds a lot like church. He went to the Jews and started talking about Jesus, but they didn't want to have nothing to do with them. So he goes down the road to the, the pagans of the city, the Gentiles and whoever would listen, and they had their whole lives changed by the Lord. And people are looking at them going, what in the world happened to you guys? I grew up in San Bernardino and in Redlands. And over the years, I've had people come to the church because they don't believe that I'm a pastor. Or they think who in their right mind would have made that guy a pastor? People will come back and be like, dude, I ran into so-and-so and I told them what you were doing because I used to be this knucklehead party college kid. Totally immature. 
And I love it when people come here and they're like, whoa. You know what Pastor Ed like, taught me to say to people like that? God has a sense of humor. I'm proof. <laughs> I'm proof. The gospel is transformative. It's powerful. It can change lives. He says here in verse 9, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That verse was a little confusing out of the New King James Version. So I was looking at like the New Living Translation or English Standard Version. It's okay to look at other translations of the Bible to help you understand a verse. And because I didn't understand the whole concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, I thought, who talks like that? Well, here's, a, here's something from the New Living Translation. It says, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us. Oh, that's what that meant. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from false idols to serve the living and true God. Wow, all the false idols. Remember, Greek and Roman, multi-theistic, which is lots of different gods, they're at play and prevalent in the community. Not at play like they're living, they're all fake gods, but their temples are everywhere and whatnot. These people turned from this worship and turn to the one true and living God. The one true living God. Not just some three-lettered word you read in this ancient text. No, he's living, he's powerful, he's active, he's got a sense of humor, he's got emotions, he gets mad, he loves a lot of people, he's long-suffering. You know what else he is? God is love, and he loves you. And he's living and alive. And they're serving him, and so should you. Verse 10. So we talked about them receiving the Lord, them being these exemplary Christians living out their faith, to simply say they were, their lives reflected their relationship with God. Okay? So they received the word, and their lives reflected their relationship with the Lord. And now, here's what they're doing. They're expecting his return. Verse 10. And this is how Paul describes them. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Ooh, and to wait. Meaning... They have this expectation that Jesus is coming again because he is. We're going to get to that more and more as we unpack this letter to the Thessalonians. Jesus will come again. He will come again. And they're waiting in expectation, meaning their lives reflect that they're waiting. That's how Paul was able to pick that out. Like, and I'm hearing you're just waiting for his return. To wait in expectation of something. I was just in the children's ministry before I came out here. There are kids, guys, waiting in expectation for Christmas morning. I know, because they're telling me what they're expecting under the tree. For a little price, I'll tell you. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I love asking that. And they are hopefully waiting. You know, they're like waiting. I've told you guys that I teach a Bible study in juvenile hall each week. When one of my guys is getting ready to get released, the pictures start coming down out of his cell. The lyrics, the poems, or whatever he's written, they start coming down out of their cell. 
their stuff starts getting packed up. The hygiene items that are unnecessary, <laughs> which they're all necessary, but some of them they think are unnecessary, they start packing them up into their personal belongings because they're hopefully expecting to get out. And you know what else changes? Things that used to bother them on their units, like someone would say something or take something, that would erupt in a fight. They're just like, water up a duck's back because they know they're going home. Our Thessalonians are enduring much affliction, but they know Jesus is coming. They know. So they're just like, huh. Well, then you might say, well, he, has, he didn't come in their time. He was still living and true and active in their life, though, as he is for us while we wait. While we wait, we should be hopefully and expecting. The other thing I want to point out about this verse is it's the gospel in just one verse. What? It's Christmas and Easter in one verse. What do you mean Christmas and Easter? Yeah, check this out. And to wait for his son from heaven, God came in the form of a baby, Christmas, right? And he was raised from the dead. That baby grew up, became a man, did a bunch of crazy miracles, and sacrificed himself in the most public, humiliating way, called crucifixion, and then came back from the dead three days later. See, this verse has the whole good news, the whole gospel in just one little verse. What about the who delivers us from the wrath to come? Check this out. In the nativity story in Matthew 121, the angel Gabriel tells Joseph, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save people from their sins. Okay. Christmas, he's the son from heaven. Easter, he rose from the dead. More about Christmas, he will save people from their sins. And there's even a little bit of revelation in there because they're waiting for his return as we should be. The Thessalonian believers, let's close. The Thessalonian believers who in the face of opposition, they embraced the transforming message about Jesus. And it was powerful. It is just as powerful today because the Holy Spirit is still testifying about the truth and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you would like this transforming power, it's yours. You just need to choose to believe. You just need to choose to believe. If you want to, I, I, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to pull me out of this depression, to drag me away from my addiction, to reconcile the relationship with my fill-in-the-blank. Ask the Lord, Lord, I need you. I need grace. Help me, Lord. And buckle up, because he's the living, true God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening that we've had together of, of worship, Lord of the gift of song that, we, that was shared with us earlier, and Lord, of your truth in scripture, God. Thank you for this evening, Lord. I pray that you would mend the heartbroken, Lord, that you would fill up the folks that might be erroneously thinking that they're powerless. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you would, as my friend Jim always says, give them a hug, Lord. Let them feel a hug from you, God.
So they feel your presence. They know your presence in their life, Lord. Give that assurance tonight, God. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never given your life to Jesus, don't wait another minute. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know where you'd spend eternity, this moment is for you. And we'd like to pray with you about it. You can pray out loud with us or you can say it in the intimacy of your own heart. I get it. It's between you and the Lord. But you could pray with us. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, amen, amen. Hey, church, next week, this place is going to be packed because it's our Christmas Eve service. We're going to have probably like 50, 60 of the cutest kids sitting here singing. Um, gosh, who's going to be here? Oh, Dennis Agajanian will be here. That's cool. We went from Matthew Ward to Dennis Agajanian. There is a diversity of talented musicians that come to the packing house. Pastor Ed, he was a, he's an old rocker, so he loves musicians. So we have a great Christmas Eve service planned. Um, so please come, and, and if you guys don't, I don't see you. Merry Christmas. Have a safe and warm holiday celebrating Jesus' birthday. God bless you guys, and good night.